For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are back once again. I am Joshua Fisher, along with Alexander Disopolis, Nicholas Snacks Kreider, and the Quan Cosby. This is the Horns Up podcast, Talking Texas. So get your horns up, because here we go. We're back. Finally, a victory. I know it seems finally, but it is the longest week ever. I sent out a tweet. I think if we had lost to Rice, I would have stopped watching football altogether. That would Patriots, not, not NFL, I would have been done. Uh, but we have a victory and we also have a guest. We have Nate Boyer joining the show. This is crazy because it's our first guest on Horns Up and it was also our first guest on Charity Stripe. So it's pretty full circle. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I think we're doing pretty better across the board, right, fellas? Pretty better. Yeah, yeah. more off high. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot better was that Tuesday, I guess, after yeah. a lot better than uh, a week ago. So I think we all are uh, smiling a little bit more. We, it, I think it wasn't depressing, but at least internally, it was a little rough last week. Mm-hmm. I actually missed most of the game. I was in uh, for a good reason. I about Arkansas, to say, Arkansas good game, for you. So. Yeah. yeah, I was, uh, well, it was on 9-11. And so I was actually in New York and I was at uh, Ground Zero uh, having a couple to 12 drinks with uh, some firefighters. Uh, and it, oh, was, wow. it was pretty, it was pretty amazing, actually. It was incredible. They were out in the streets. Um, yeah, right near, right next to Ground Zero, basically. There's a little pub there called O'Hara's. It's like a firefighter spot, right? And around the corner is like one of the uh, one of the fire stations and they just pretty much blocked they owned like a few blocks there and i mean there's open containers everywhere and like nobody i mean all the all the firefighters are like in their dress uniforms just after like the ceremonies and stuff like they did and uh yeah there was police there as well but there, there nobody was doing anything it was like yeah you, know, you can't tell those guys no 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 they are in the right was, to, to let loose amazing. for sure yeah. I've been to ground zero and it's, it's a real solo to, so to be there with other firefighters or police and, and true New Yorkers, that's, that's pretty awesome. Do you usually go every nine 11 or just, no, this I don't. This is the 20th. I have been, I don't think I'd actually been in New York for nine 11 before I'd been to ground zero before Really. every year during nine 11, usually do something or, you know, whether it's like a charity related event or something like that, but I hadn't, I hadn't been back there for 9-11 for, you know, this was just a big anniversary. Um, I think also, you know, coming out of COVID and everything, um, it was not that it's come or not that we're fully out of it, but even a place like New York, it's uh, things are much more open than they were even a few months ago. 
So I, I think everyone was really looking forward to the chance to get out and, and you know, honor the, the those that we lost that day. Um, but also it's like 20 years coming to the end of um, this war, uh, technically. And, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions and, and stuff like that regarding, you know, should we go? Should we stay? How does this work? You know, what's next? So it's just kind of a strange time, but it was, uh, I don't know, it felt pretty pretty uniting just being down there and yeah i, I enjoyed the trip i enjoyed the trip but I, and then luckily i missed the arkansas game <laughs> yeah that's a good, it's a great reason that's, to arkansas game. <laughs> that sounds so much better than what i dealt with in fayetteville and it's giving back and giving love to some first responders in typical nate boyer way so that's kudos to you for going man and glad it was a good time yeah of course thanks Juan. appreciate it when did you when did you find out about the horns in our <laughs> I mean, I was they had it on in the bar. Yeah. So I would yeah. come back in and kind of peek just to see. And it was only getting worse. So uh, I didn't watch. I didn't see like when they made the change from from cart to, to Casey Thompson. I didn't see any of that. Uh, that was like mid third quarter. Something like that. Is that right? Yeah. Towards the end yeah. of the game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, it was a bad start out the gate and then. We just didn't – I guess we never really recovered, did we? We just kind of – No. Uh, I mean, we maybe played a little better at the end, but – We didn't recover until this Saturday. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe maybe during the week of practice, but it was – Yeah. No, well, that mean, game, know, not not a chance. Granted, like you said, it was – it is rice, but um, we, yeah, it's important to come out like we did, I think. You know, it, it was there was no sign of a slow start. And they could run. We were running the ball. We were throwing the ball if we wanted to, like kind of whatever they wanted to do, at least on offense. And then obviously, you know, pitching a shutout it doesn't matter who it is. That's always impressive. So yeah, mm-hmm. goes a long yeah, way. That was good. Confidence. You know? I think it'd be interesting. We have three. Do we have three straight nine a.m. games. Well, I'm Pacific time, so eleven a.m. <laughs> Texas yeah. time. And then the OU is definitely nine a.m. Yeah, that's all, that's time. always at that time. Yeah, TCU has already been announced. TCU is at uh, eleven is eleven hour time, nine y'all's time as well. Okay, okay, cool. So I'm I'm not sure yet. I might be out there for OU, but I, I don't know yet. We'll um, see you there. We'll, we'll all be down. I, I'm definitely gonna be. I'll definitely be in Austin for Okie State the following week, though. Either way. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of like the first thing in the morning games because I just want to enjoy the rest of my day and do my own thing, do whatever I end up doing. So for me out here, 9 a.m. is solid. Um, get up and it's like, let's go. And, and yeah, hopefully we just continue that trend. We we, we got to go into OU with just the one ding, I yes. think, you know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to lose anyway, but I think that's a – I don't know. Cause they've been on the ropes the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, they, they haven't looked spectacular. The yeah. entire Big 12 has looked suspect other than maybe Kansas State. So, yeah, we, we and I'll I tell you what, though, Tech is 3-0. And, and they played, um, as some would say, not the same level of competition. But you know how Tech plays us. And since the SEC announcement, Tech's going to be that much more pissed off about coming to Austin and dealing with Longhorns. So we better be ready to, to start fast like we did last week. So I've heard rumors about stuff, and I haven't done a ton of confirming on myself. But like, are we potentially playing in the SEC next season? Is that possible, or yeah. is that not happening? It is crazy. I think there's so much going on that it's going to be tough because scheduling, rescheduling, um, playoff. Because if you think about, if we go to the SEC next year, OU goes to the SEC next year. 
ultimately the final four, especially with a Clemson losing um, these other teams that are, that are just a little um, inconsistent. I mean, before you know it, if, with the way it's looking, it may be four SEC teams in the final four, mm-hmm. especially if OU, I mean, think about OU being in there and all the above. So I think that's one of the issues with the fast move. I'm starting to lean a little bit on 2023, 2023 uh, because I think it's also going to push the 12-team playoff and a lot of the other things that are happening. But uh, it, it, it's a weird space to be in if you're every other school other than Texas and Oklahoma. Yes, there's other schools being invited. I don't know when that will happen either. But how can you recruit to so much uncertainty? You know, how, and in all the sports. So it, they need to make it happen sooner than later. Yeah. I just don't know if it can logistically happen that fast for the other sports as much as football. That's kind of king, but I don't know if it can logistically happen that fast. It would be cool as all get out, but I don't know. I don't even know if they figured out if they're going to have eight and eight or a pot, you know, and so. It's all been talked about every day while trying to deal with COVID and trying to have the season they're in right now. So we shall see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I vote for I vote for eight and eight personally, but, but I, no, I, I did too. So I was thinking about that. I vote for eight and eight. I just the only thing I was talking to some guys over the weekend, and how would you play all the teams though? So if you go with the four pods and you go with you play your three teams every year, mm-hmm. and then you rotate all the other ones, you have more consistency with playing because if you go with eight and eight you're probably only going to ever meet bama and those guys in the championship game and i want george and bama and, and yeah. auburn and all those guys to come to I mean, austin yeah you can only home play them let's see well let's see you got eight so you got seven on your side i mean you could still play couldn't you play half that other side and just have one out of conference or is that too weird to just have one out of conference you did the other way i guess you'd only yeah you'd only play bama once every four years which is kind of right weird. Hmm. I mean, if if the reason why we're moving is for financial purposes anyway, do we need to play Stephen F. Austin for a tune-up game before we, you know, go take down Ole Miss? Like, well, maybe, maybe to get get in the the zone. I'm glad we had this tune-up game against Rice before going to Tech to get everyone right. I mean, I'd love to hear, you know, just in Baquan, your experiences and Nate, your experiences, maybe how they were different, you know, because obviously you guys had different tenures at Texas how important like a short memory was. Yeah, the like, team was good when Quan was there. That was a difference. <laughs> <laughs> we had some good times. And those tune-up games were important because you, yeah. we fortunately practiced good on good. But you still, there's a level of uh, respect. And I, I'm, I'm going to go hard, but I'm not trying to hurt anyone. And I'm not – there's there's the careful – you're going to be more careful in practice. And, yeah. and it's not real. And it's not real penalties and all that stuff. So those tune-up games actually did mean a good amount for getting things rolling before you got into conference. But, again, times are changing. So I don't know how all of that can kind of work itself out. But, yeah, now from our standpoint, um, short memory was what you saw this week, man. Um, uh, we talked about kind of hating losing and and – working that much more harder and, and trying to get that taste out of your mouth. That's what it boiled down to. Fortunately, we didn't have to worry about it quite as much, but that actually made it that much more intense. Cause it was like, Oh crap, we just lost a game. That ain't okay. Let's go tear up somebody. And so um, these guys been a new season, new coach and all of that seems at least and new quarterback. I mean, we started Hudson a week ago and, and, and now, you know, Casey certainly uh, he Sarkeesian made the, the comment on the presser this week. 
It's just something about when Casey's in and the ball moves. And uh, we certainly saw that with Rice. So hopefully that continues. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest, most telling stat, the whole situation was each of the guys have almost, you know, attempted the same amount of passes so far this season, but Hudson has six sacks against him. Well, Casey has none. He just gets yeah, that's incredible. Out, get the ball out. Yeah, no, it feels to me like the same, same as like the Ellinger, uh, Bouchel, you know, dilemma kind of when they were younger. Cause it was like, you know, Bouchel maybe threw, threw better deep ball and, uh, and all that, but like, you know, he was a bit of a liability at times back there behind center where it's like Sam was just an escape artist and figured it out. Maybe sometimes accuracy and, and arm strength or whatever weren't, you know, as good or had as much potential. Maybe, I don't know, but um, he figured it oh, that's out. That's really good, know, man. I never thought about that on, comparison. You know, that's a really good. But doesn't it kind of really feel like that a little bit? Cause yeah, I mean, no, I never even thought about that, but that's, I mean, going through that kind of deal because it was funny as I, I knew Shane and he had been there a little bit. And I was like, no, I want Shane, man. Shane throws a beautiful deep ball, but you know, really Sam won his leadership and he was just, and not that, you know, Shane wasn't a leader because Shane's a great dude and he is that, but Sam's leadership tangibles and just, it's one thing you could be a leader, but it's how people respond to you. And it, what yeah. it seems like from Casey's standpoint is they're responding better and he is a gamer. And that's what, El, you know, Sam was early on and he turned into even more of a gamer and a better quarterback and a good deep ball and all that. But early on, that that's a real good comparison. I just didn't think about. Yeah. What did y'all, what did y'all two and Nick, you too, because when you were on the team, what did you guys all three look for in leaders? You know, when you guys were there, I mean, Quan and Nate, you guys have the connection of like, you guys both came in as older guys when you were on the team. Dude, I want to talk about that. Nate, I knew you were older because this is the thing. These fools treated me like I was a grandpa. And literally, <laughs> some of them call me that. But I remember Ahmad Hall, also military, appreciate his services like yours, Nate. And you were older than me, man. What was your age when you were? A lot older. I was 29 I when I was a freshman. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> I left at 26. You never got the crap that I got, man. Yeah, no, one of you is a green beret. You can't get no, me they, the crap, they, man. They, oh, that's they good gave point. Me that. they, gave me, they said those things, too. They said those things, too. But, yeah, it probably was different with, like, the initially it was like, well, we, we have to respect this guy who's in the military, so we can't say anything. And then once they get comfortable, you know, it happens here and there. But, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't as much. The funniest part was, like, I'd be gone for the summer, like, uh, you know, overseas. And some of the upperclassmen would talk to the freshmen and like tell them all these stories about, you know, crazy crap I was doing. And, you know, either, either around so were they real stories or were they made up stories? No, totally made up. <laughs> or, they'd like, or they would like just they would just like exaggerate. So these dudes come back and they're like terrified. Like I'm just gonna I could pop off at any moment. And just, oh my god! You know what I mean? <laughs> They would like set they would set the conditions well. So when I got back to like training camp. Yeah, we we figure out who is a good person to mess with uh, for yeah. a while. <laughs> that is so. So even so, I I, I talk I tell the story to people, and I'm like, man, being a 23, 24, 25 year old, and some of these kids are 17 get there. Most of them are 18, but some of like, how weird is that? You're a grown ass man in that locker room, and these little snotty nose wannabe freaking. Well, they're not. Balls. They're not all little. That's the thing. Well, that's a good point, actually. Hey, you know what? You and I were the little ones, actually. (laughs) They're huge. Dude, Hassan Ridgeway. Oh, my gosh. He he started, I think, at 17, or was at least playing. He was in the rotation at 17. 
and he's already, you know, three bills and like just huge three bills, but, but also <laughs> like a kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he was, he was 17. So that, that was, yeah, that was interesting. I think I was like, a, I was like a sophomore, a junior. I was around 30, 31, something like that. When he got there and it was just like, you're 17. Like, I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's, un- it, it's unreal. It's unreal. But that was no, like I didn't mind human it. Being. I, I, you know, I, I, I think at some level, guys stop maturing anyway at like 19. So, you know, <laughs> in some ways. So it's like the joke, you know, it's the same kind of humor as now. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 the kind of stuff that you joked about then. Uh, I will say this, though, too, especially at a place like Texas, not every student athlete, but a lot of them, and especially football players, you have to grow up quick and kind of have a, a certain level of maturity and be able to take it when people dish it, you know, whatever that thing is, if you're going to survive in that world anyway. So compared to most, you know, kind of the typical student on campus, I, I, I thought, I thought um, you know, a lot of those guys were, were, were actually pretty damn mature and, uh, and squared away. And it was, that was a bigger surprise. Of course, that's, that's not the rule for everybody, but it's the same in the military, man. There's plenty of idiots in the military. So. <laughs> yeah. I got a question we, about that. It actually brings me and, and, and it's off script, but, in the military, you do your thing. For the most part, people don't hear about it. And then you go to the football field and you got 100,000 or millions watching and and they do hear about it because there's a lot of parallels. Football people are not military people. We all know that. But there's a lot of parallels in kind of team com- camaraderie and all this different stuff. But how was that for you or at least for your teammates dealing with going, you know, and playing a game? And then you you were older, but you came back in a social media world and just people hammering you or, or coming after you, how was that to deal with versus, you know, the two lives that you kind of live parallel? Uh, I think, I think that way in, in a lot of ways, I don't mind that. I don't mind the, uh, like the going back and forth through college. I, dude, I, in some ways I was less stressed than I am now, even though it's like you're going to war because things were just kind of simple. I didn't really get a lot of, uh, People talk, people talking trash from the outside that don't really know you. And like, I wish I could just say that I block all that stuff out and it never bothers me, but it's not true. You know what I mean? And like that, that's frustrating. Cause it's like, especially when you're trying to explain yourself in a certain way uh, or, or, you know, when people, when people don't understand you is one thing, if you can sit there and kind of explain yourself to them, but when they just don't period, or they read something or see something and just make a decision about who you are and all these things and then start talking about it to other people publicly, that's like, it's really frustrating and really stressful because it's like, that's not what I said. It's not what I meant. And that's not who I am. So like, stop, <laughs> but you can't stop them. You can't do anything about it. So in some ways like that, you know, it was a lot simpler just doing the military thing and playing football, even though there's a lot, still a lot of pressure. I mean, you make a mistake, it's either people's lives or you know, a, a football game, which yes, it's just a game, but like, it still matters. I mean, there's a hundred thousand people in, in that stadium that let you know that it matters what's happening out there. <laughs> Matches in the so, stadium. It's just the stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the people outside. I mean, again, we say all the time, you're, you're on special teams. You can't really win a game on special teams, but you could certainly lose a game on special teams. And we saw that a bunch in Absolutely. the NFL and yeah. college football. I mean, it's the precision you kind of need. And when you, did you, did you like that part of the, the position, you know, just like the consistency and like the regiment, was that like a kind of a parallel to being in the military? Uh, That's not really yeah, important. no, it was. I mean, and, and I didn't, for me, it was like, 
I just want to find a way to contribute. I want to find a way on the field. And I'm not a great athlete. So, like, being an okay athlete, but someone that works hard and can, like, focus on something uh, and, and, like, treat it as if you're learning to, you know, swing a golf club or, or, or shoot a free throw is a good example. You know, the charity stripe. I think we, we – I feel like we, t- we might even talked about it in the last podcast. I can't remember. But, like, that is something – there's no good excuse for being, I don't care how big you are or whatever, for being a 50% free throw shooter in the NBA. There's no good excuse. Like you've got to find a way to at least, you know, at least make 70, seven out of 10 of those things. If that's your job, like, because it's the same every time it doesn't change. And with long snapping. Yeah. Like once you snap it, it's different. I mean, you gotta, but, but the most important thing from a long snapper, like you can make zero tackles your career, your whole career. If you, if you're consistent with the snap, like that's all they really care about, you know, right. and, and, and aren't a liability as far as blocking. Like it's not, it's not, you're not the reason stuff's getting blocked. So like, that's all you really got to do. So for me, it was an opportunity to, you know, just to get on the field and something that I felt that if I put enough time into it and figured it out because of that, that regimen consistency, um, that, you know, I, I'd, I'd be able to at least compete for the position. I, and I think that some of the military stuff that came into that was, being able to block out outside stuff and really focus on something small, you know, and kind of like just hone in and, and even use some of that, like the stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. You use some yeah. of that stress to help you focus instead of like letting it overwhelm you. Yeah. And you're acting yeah. now too, right? A little bit. Yeah. I actually, I actually, uh, uh, horror film, man. We saw, I saw the Twitter <laughs> post. Uh, we know. Well, I produced that. I produced that. Yeah. I have a little part in it, but I, 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 I uh, yeah, I, I actually directed a movie uh, about a year ago in October. So it's awesome. it's uh, we just got finished with post production like last month. Oh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, but yeah, that was my that's what I, I mean. I want to eventually have my own production company and you know, make movies. Like that's what I like doing. So yeah. I remember um, one day you probably don't remember this, but I was walking to the field with you at practice, Nate, and I I asked you your plans after, and I, you mentioned you want to go to L.A. and pursue film. I don't think I ever got the answer, but what, what inspired you to do that? Um, honestly, I became interested in it long ago. Like when I was 19 years old, it was nothing, never something like growing up, uh, you know, as a kid, like even through high school, I mean, I like movies, like who doesn't like movies, but I just never thought it would be something I would, I would do. And then at 19, I was living in San Diego and I was, uh, I was like working on a fishing boat and kind of just doing all kinds of odd jobs, which was great. But, um, I knew I wouldn't do that forever. And, uh, and I just like, I don't know, part of it was like the challenge of it, but also I, I started like watching kind of more classics and like really good movies and they made me feel something and think a different way. And, and, uh, so I just was like, man, that, you know, that sounds fun to go try yeah. <laughs> or to go like, check it out. So and I had a friend, I had a friend that was just move, was moving to LA anyway. So I moved up there with, with them and um, just kind of started poking around at it. And then like a year later, nine 11 happened and my life kind of went on a different trajectory, but it was always something in the back of my head. Like I could see myself being into this. And then when I went to, to Texas, they have a really good film school. The RTF program is awesome. And uh, I didn't, I applied actually for the graduate uh, RTF program, but didn't get in. Uh, however, they told me if I, if I took a, like we got a master's in something in the communication school, I could take a bunch of electives that were film related. So that's what I did and kind of started hustling there, came out to LA and did an internship 
with uh, Peter Berg at Film 44, uh, who's, you know, Friday Night Lights and Lone Survivor and a lot of yeah. stuff that that genre I was kind of, I got a connection to and then just started, you know, learning it and hustling and figuring it out. Love that. That's crazy. Yeah. Walk, you, and then both y'all end up in Los Angeles together at the same time coincides. There you here go. We are. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. Who would have, who would have thought? That's pretty wild. Uh, Nate, what was your favorite? I don't remember if you told us, and if you did, it's been it's been a minute, of course. What was your favorite memory as a member of the Longhorns, or maybe just even at the university in general? Honestly, like, so like I've mentioned earlier, you know, we weren't great when I was there. We we typically it was like four or five lost seasons, you know, so. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we played for the Big 12 championship once, uh, did not win it. Um, but uh, so that same year, we got invited to play in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon State. Mm-hmm. This is 2012, end of 2012. And my best, uh, my best friend in the military, Brad, ha- had ended up dying on uh, December 13th, 2012. We already knew we were playing in the Alamo Bowl. Um, had we, I think we were just starting to bowl practices and everything. And I went and told coach Brown, like what had happened, you know, and he actually asked me if I wouldn't mind addressing the team and kind of mentioning and talking about Brad, and um, what he meant to me and all that. And I, I did that. And, uh, then his wife called me a few days later and asked if I would be a pallbearer in the funeral. And I said, of course, you know, and, and I think the game was on like the funeral was on like December 20 third or something the game was on like the 28th or something like that you know so the team was already going to be out out in san antonio uh, for bowl prep for like the actual week of you know bowl practices that are on site and uh i went to north carolina flew to north carolina um you know carried his casket uh, was part of that funeral hung out saw some old guys from the team came back the next day uh you know three or four days days before the game and uh Coach Brown said they were gonna they were gonna honor the they're gonna dedicate the game to Brad and his family, you know. And they sent they were gonna send them game balls, you know, regardless if we won or not. And I don't know if you guys remember that game at all, but like we played terrible for about three and a half quarters. <laughs> we were just getting beat up on, and it was frustrating because it's like I knew Brad was the type of person that would not he wouldn't have cared if we won, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like oh you better win this one for me kind of guy like. Um, but I, I had talked to him actually the day before he died, talked to him on the phone. He died in a, 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 a training accident. We were on a skydiving team. Unfortunately, both of his parachutes malfunctioned when he came down. So he, he burned in. Um, but, you know, this guy had been in multiple deployments, survived those. He married a single mother who had a child with disabilities. And was just like a, a great guy, you know, and kind of my, my mentor, my like big brother on the team. Well, uh, you know, so we're, yeah, we're down, we're down a couple of touchdowns, like in the fourth and it's not looking good. And I'm just like, and that sucks. I at least would have liked to compete, um, you know, play, kind of play better uh, us to like play better or whatever. And then like, you know, all of a sudden, um, well, it was Marquise, man. Marquise Goodwin had like one of those crazy, you know, he, like, like a, it was like a, you know, a jet sweep or something. And he just ran faster than everybody else <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> scored some long touchdown as he does. And then like we had, we got the ball back and, and, uh, uh Ash was the quarterback at the time. So David Ash, uh, sorry about that. Muted that real quick. That was loud. Uh, David Ash like drove us downfield and, um, made some kind of crazy 
probably not bright cross his body pass to Jonathan Gray. Jonathan Gray caught it, you know, snatched it out of the air, scored a touchdown. And all of a sudden we're like down, we're down three or something. And uh, get the ball back again, throws a long pass to Marquise, uh, you know, in the end zone, catches it, touchdown. Now all of a sudden we're winning and there's like a minute left and, and you know, they get the ball back. And I think we sacked the quarterback four, on four straight plays to end the game. So it was like all of a sudden we just like, like shot out of a cannon. And it was kind of like the beginning of the Rice game, but, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was against a better team and, and it was late in the fourth. So, um, so that was really cool. That was a really cool moment because, I, I mean, I got I was super emotional afterwards. And, um, you know, just feeling like, like I said, not that he would have cared if he went, went it for Brad or not, but it was a good end of the season and a, a, a kind of a cool way to honor uh, Lisa. And Lisa was at home, Brad's uh, wife, and, you know, she was watching the game and all that. So that was cool. And then they got game balls in the mail with the score on them, you know. So it was nice that we won. And, uh, yeah, that was probably that was probably my number one. I got a few cool ones, but that one, that one sticks out big time. Sure. That's pretty cool, man. That's wild. I mean, like Mac, did you have any of those kinds of experiences with Mac Quan where he just kind of went out of his way or there other experiences for you, Nate too, where, I mean, we see time and time again, that at least in college, especially that, I mean, I just watched the, even in the pros, I just watched the Mets documentary on, on uh, 30 for 30. It's one of the best sports docs I've ever seen. And one of my, a big takeaway I had was that Davey Johnson had forced Dwight Gooden to come up from the minors early. He's like 19 years old. And all his, his mentality was as long as he plays well on the field, you know, it doesn't matter what they do in between innings, even, you know, let alone when they're not at the ballpark and get where he's coming from. But in many ways he failed him. He failed a young player. And it seems to me that a lot of these college, a big part of being a college coach that goes like the story like that, no one would ever know that Mac did that, you know, unless you just told us now, Nate. And a big part about college coaches is, you know, not just being an X and O's guys, but as I say, being a Jimmy and Joe guy, like even more so, you know, and helping guide and shape these young minds and like these athletes and preparing them for life, whether they go to the NFL or not you know, and life outside of the locker room. So, I mean, hearing that story is great. If you had any others, like, or any other Oh examples. man, dude, we need hours and hours to <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, well, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we have a, I'm glad we have a podcast. <laughs> I just, well, like, and, and, and again, and, and Miss Sally right there with him, you know, when I actually chose Texas for the second time after baseball, <laughs> Mac, all, he still laughs about this. I didn't call Mac. I called Miss Sally. And I said, you know, I clearly y'all are so genuine and you're every part of what this is. Um, I'm coming to freaking Texas and it was funny. And Matt kind of made a comment by the, by my Sally smile. I think I know we getting good news. <laughs> he was sitting there ear hustling, <laughs> but um, man, uh, and, and I was two, two stories on that one. I was walking down with rack. Uh, we went and visited some guys who went to the first game against Louisiana and I will quote rack. He said, man, you just, people don't understand how in debt we are with coach Brown because of the way he went about it because of the way the man he was the culture he created he said so many people want to talk about on the field off the field where Texas has been where they haven't been and it's so hard he said it's super easy for me to see why we aren't what we used to be because of what coach Brown created in good or bad times and then the best one of all same bowl game our national championship I mean this was his first at Texas he loved the place First ever, you know, and so many people have told this story because it, 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 I mean, 
sent waves throughout our locker room. You got Matthew in there. You got, you know, so many guys. You have uh, the Rocket in there. And he makes it about Texas high school coaches. And then he makes it about us. And and he said, don't let this be the best thing that ever happened to you. you do, be a better father. Be a better brother. Be a better son. Be be so much more. I'm like, dude, time out. You just won the freaking national championship that the game is still being voted on by NFL and non-biased Longhorns as the best game to ever be played. And he took it straight to the humanity of everybody in there. That's who he is. Uh, when they told that story, goosebumps, because I wasn't surprised because that is absolutely who Mac Brown is and is super cool. And, and last but not least, Nate, y'all did the same thing. You know, another moving moment for me was during Thanksgiving. You know, every time we played a and I don't know if y'all still were at that time, but we play on Thanksgiving and the night before, which is kind of, you know, I think about it. I'm like, man, it was a lot of emotional dudes the night before the game. But he said, he said, this is voluntary, but we have a lot to be thankful for. If you feel moved, it's almost like church. He's like, tell us what you're thankful for. And then always like this little, you know, 30 second, 45 second silence. And then boom, guys start telling it. And you start learning about what they were dealing with. A, a, a friend passed away, a family member struggling, cancer. And all they did was tell that and then say how thankful they were to be there with their brothers and all the above. So uh, someone asked me that same question one time. And sure, there's games that are. But if you ask about a moment, those moments on the night before Thanksgiving where you saw, again, the Ridgeways, the rack posts, these massive human beings that destroy guys on the on the field, you know, crying, talking about what they're thankful for from a teammate standpoint and all the above. So unbelievable ability to bring it back to real life. And it's, it's how we, again, I know, Nate, you do. I, we we know each other well. We've seen each other post-career, and we're always trying to – that's why you went to 9-11, you know, because you, you're trying to make those things that matter in life uh, continue to do that and, and try to be the person that we've seen in Coach Brown and Miss Sally. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's uh, – yeah, he's, he's, he's more of a, a father figure first, I think, for a lot of players than, than a coach. Um, and it's like, you know, he keeps up with people, man. Even, even walk-ons, I never played a snap. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they need something They reach out to him and uh, it might take a while. He's got a million things going on, but he gets back to him, you know, and he does what he can to help. He tries to help, you know, I mean, it's funny. It's like, he's out in North Carolina now and he's already linked me up with, and he'll text me. It's not like someone from his office texting me. He'll text me and be like, Hey, you know, I, I got a guy that played for me last year. That's moving out there. And um, he's, uh, you know, he's interested in some of the stuff that you're doing and, He'd love to just, you know, get coffee with you or something. Would you be willing to do that? And I'm always like, of course, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just like he's just looking after, you know. There's so many. I think there's a lot of coaches I know in, in, in professional sports, but probably in college too, plenty of them that it's like they act, they act like they're that guy until they're done with you. You know what I mean? Until you're done, yeah. You're yeah, done making you're plays done, and making the like, money. Exactly. And then it's, you know, it's on to the next recruit. It's not yeah. about the person. It's just about, uh, yeah, it's about the, it's about the, it is about the X's and O's to those people. But yeah. uh, Coach Brown is not one of those people. No, I mean, you could, you could tell just by who he is. I mean, everyone adores him. I mean, I, I have the utmost respect for that man. What do you say would be the single biggest thing that you've learned from a coach, Nate? It's a good question. Um, single biggest thing. I mean, 
Dang. And I guess this could be a, this could be a coach at any level, and you yeah, could even yeah, yeah. go back to a superior in the military as well. I mean, those those are coaches as well. Well, you know, one that one that kind of well treating. I mean, this is a this is a Mac thing, treating everybody the same, no matter what their status is. Treating everybody the same. You're not going to get respect unless you give it. Coach, coach, he remembers everybody's names, everybody's mom's names, you know, <laughs> and it's crazy. Um, but, but another quick one is uh, a little league story. And it's like, I just remember, I, I think I was, I was like nine years old, maybe 10, just moved to, uh, I lived in Colorado for a few years. Uh, I grew up in the Bay, San Francisco Bay area. But we lived in Colorado for a few years. Uh, my dad moved out there for a different job and it's a new place. And I didn't really know anybody. And it's like sports is how I made my friends usually. So playing little league and we were terrible. Like me and this, uh, it was it was the maybe we were ten. It's the ten to twelve year old era. Like the that's the little league world series age, you know. So we were the two ten year olds on the team, and I'm I was not Quan Cosby. Like I was a good baseball player. I was not a great one. Ah. And I was and me and this other kid were the best players on the team by far. Like we sucked. You know what I mean? Like we were bad. When the ten year olds are the best players, you're in trouble. Yeah. And uh, and we you know we we. Uh, uh, we won one game that year. That was it. And I, but I remember early in the season we played this the, the Tigers, this other team uh, that was stacked, you know, and they destroyed us. Like slot, you know, that's whatever the ten run rule, fifteen run, whatever that was. The slaughter rule was in effect, and we, we got destroyed. Well, the the two guys that coach us were actually high school. They played for the high school team, um, and they were doing it just because they wanted to, you know. They were uh, and they were good players. They, I went and watched one of their high school games. They were starters on the team but they just loved to be around it. It wasn't like they didn't know community service hours or anything like that. They just wanted to do it. So these two kids coached it together. Um, they didn't seem like kids at the time to me, but, but they, they just spent so much time with us. And I remember this one kid at practice one day could not make contact, you know, and they're just like throwing lollipops, trying to just get his confidence up. So he, and he can't hit, he just cannot make contact. Can't not keeping his eye on the ball, just whatever. And they just sat there forever, and we're all in the field, like, moaning and groaning, you know. But he just they just, like, stayed with this kid and figured it out, you know, and took the time to, like, figure out what he's doing. All of a sudden, he starts making contact and hitting the ball. And it's like, they know that kid's not going to win a game for us or anything like that. It wasn't about that. It was just, like, it was about this kid and, like, what this kid needs right now, you know, for his self as a, as a person. And then the season went on, you know, and, and that was one of the closest teams I ever had of like, my youth sports life, and we, were, and we were the worst team I was ever on. And we get down and we play the last game of the year. We play the Tigers again. And we lost on like a last second. They beat us on like the bottom of the sixth or whatever, bottom of the seventh, whatever it is in Little League. But like we played them, you know, and it was like competed. And their other coach came over afterwards to our dugout and talked to us, you know, and we were all crying because you cry when you're, you're 10 years old and you almost win a baseball game and you lose it, man. It hurts, you know. You're fine, yeah. especially when you're actually competing. It doesn't, you don't cry when you get blown out, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you just, <laughs> you just like, go get ice cream. Like yeah, you just go get ice cream and move on. Yeah. I had a lot of ice cream as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. I'll just, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. That's probably the coolest loss I was a part of, you know, um, because it was just like, um, yeah, we were so glad. And the coaches were so proud of us and, you know, all that stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, it's not really a moment, but it's just, I mean, the best coaches is probably not moments. It's just the consistency of it and the ones that are, they just keep showing up and they're always there for you. Sure. I mean, you learn a lot about 
yourself through losses sometimes more than wins. So, oh yeah, and hopefully Texas learned a lot on that Arkansas one, and they can move forward and not do it again. <laughs> not do it again all yeah. year. Yeah, it's like I mean, like they say what I would they say in like what Rocky like nine or ten or whatever they're on. They're a couple of short of Fast and the Furious, I think at this point. But he's like, it's not as it's not about a, like how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and then come back from it. That's like the yeah. and I, that's like one of the many. I'm not going to do a sly impression, but that's like one of the, the many. <laughs> it's one of the many like, you know, sly quotes from it uh, that are great. We have to do it. We're going to have to do a deep dive because in our other podcast, we've had other pro athletes come on and like many people like, you know, film directors come on. And a lot of the sports memories that we'll ask people or memories we'll talk about people come from little league. Like we had miles Turner and his was like a baseball little league one too. So maybe we have to kind of do like another whole third podcast, you know, with everyone, like get a doctor involved in like the psychology of it. Like why that just sticks so much. I guess like, you know, it's when you're, it's your formative years. You don't need uh, a doctor I guess, to do that. Yeah. I guess the advice yeah. to uh, <laughs> right. the parents out there is put your kids in little league. They'll learn. Doc, yeah. Shit. Dr. Kwan. Dr. Kwan. Yeah. Some stuff. Father Q. We're going to learn today, everybody. <laughs> uh boyer man thank you so much always a pleasure dude hey Cat. can i ask one yes. last thing because Q, anything Nate you got want, me man. he got me involved with it um yeah. certainly always repping my shirt uh my ring i'm not good at wearing rings but i do do when i do wear one it's wedding and it's that one um 22 kill my brother um mind talking a little bit more kind of about that it's, it's certainly dear to my heart it's it's sad is not always a good thing but it's it's people need to know about it uh, on, on so many levels yeah well you know it, it it's uh well 22 is a reference to the 22 roughly 22 veterans a day who lose a battle with suicide and you know it's a suicide's a, a big issue across society generally you know not to mention the veteran community um i actually lost an ex uh a girl i used to date when i was at texas um just uh, maybe a year or so after she graduated, a couple of years maybe actually, but she, you know, she 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 took her own life. And uh, I've had a, a several veteran buddies, a, you know, a guy on my last deployment who I was pretty close with. He ended up uh, coming back, and we would always joke around because he came back and um, he went to A and M, uh, you know, to finish his degree. Great, great dude. Um, and it just last year, or shoot, February, just in February, you know, he uh, he, he took his own life and. And it's 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 wild, man, and uh, and it's incredibly sad, and it's it's something that's just not acceptable for us to not always try to do something to combat that. And, um, yeah, Twenty Two Kill has been uh, has been something that uh, I've been uh, an organization that I've been tight with for a long time. They're based out of Dallas, and actually, you know, just in in recent years, I, I co-founded a, a veterans uh, veterans organization called MVP stands for merging vets and players we're bringing together combat vets and, and athletes but like it's it's all based on the work that these guys have been doing these people have been doing it's not just guys um and i'm very tight with the executive director over there still uh and you know he was a guy that he he came that day jacob jake schick I remember, you remember oh, yeah Shick, schick's day? good yeah. people man yeah he's yeah he's great people he you know he got he got blown up when he was deployed and you know almost barely made it and then came back and after his recovery it's like you know, from the pill addictions and the loss of the purpose and mission and all that stuff. And just feeling like, you know, he got, a, he got, he came overweight and just like all these things. And he was just ready to call it. And, uh, you know, he didn't because he had a team because he had a tribe to, uh, to lean on and people that wouldn't give up on him and kept checking in on him. And, and, you know, 
and got him out of that that hole. And the tough part about it is that it, it's not like the voices in your head or the Grim Reaper or whatever you want to call it. It's not like that goes away. It's always kind of lingering and waiting for you to let your guard down, you know. So it's it's continuous work. It's like people with addiction issues, man. It's the same thing. Like that's why they say, even though they haven't had a drink in 35 years, they still say I'm an addict. You know what I mean? Because they know that's still a part of them. You can manage it and overcome it, but like it's always there. And I think that's the biggest thing is just remembering that the, the, those of us that seem like they're doing the we're doing the best and we're okay. You know, they seem the most squared away. Those are sometimes the people that are the most at risk, the ones that help out the most. You know, I know I got a lot of people that check on me and, and, and I appreciate it. Even if it's just a, you know, a quick, how you, how are you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it matters to me because it's like, all right, well, this person cares enough because we're all busy. Everybody's got stuff in their life going on. We're all busy. You know, just to take time out of their day and, and, and say that to me, you know, even if I haven't talked to them in, weeks or months um, so yeah so yeah 22 kills are, it, it's a it's a really cool organization i think they're actually developed or uh, transforming a bit of their message uh beyond just that they may even be changing their name coming up soon um but but anyway it's all it's really about the message and what they stand for that's yeah. most important appreciate you sharing that partner yeah of course thanks for bringing it up man. Uh, yeah i remember when we first met you we had actually gone to emerging vets and players workout uh Jay's gym after that. Uh, think, I think, I don't know. We had all had eaten fresh corn grill, the four of us, and you were able to work out right after that. Thank God we weren't asked to work out because I would have yacked on the mat for sure. I can't, <laughs> I can't keep it down like you can, man. But we're just before, then before we let you rock, you know, now that's up. Cause last time it was in Los Angeles and there was another one in New York, correct? Are there more now? Yeah, we actually just, uh, we have seven chapters now. We've got, uh, We've got one in uh, the one that started in LA and then Las Vegas and now um, uh, then Chicago, Atlanta, New York, Seattle, and Dallas most recently. So now we're in Texas. Yeah, and baby. I want I want to get one down in Austin eventually, but it, it's cool. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you know, uh, for those that don't know, it's on a weekly basis. We just get together in the gym. It's 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 mostly veterans, but there's you know there's there's pro athletes as well. And we train together for about 30, 45 minutes, just get a good sweat going, nothing too, too crazy. You know, we don't want anybody throwing up fresh corn grill or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, but then, uh, then we hang out on the wrestling mats afterwards for about another 45 minutes and, you know, just talk about stuff. It's like an open – it's an open forum, man. There's nothing – nothing's off the table except for politics and religion. We try to stay away from that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but we just talk about – we talk about life, man, good stuff, bad stuff, what's going on, what we're struggling with. Um, we encourage vulnerability. Everything kind of stays there and, uh, it's good. It's, it's a, it's just a consistent place to go. And, you know, you kind of can build that community. That's the biggest thing that helps so many of us is just not feeling alone and not letting yourself isolate and trying to take care of everything yourself. And, you know, that's just, it's a recipe for disaster, man. It's too hard. <laughs> life, sure. Life's hard enough, man. Like you might as well utilize the people that are willing to help you. Yes, sir. Social creatures after all need each other need that team right. we were talking about we were talking about a couple episodes ago just where do they go from here where does the team find their motivations if it's if it's not you know if, if being from texas if being the texas football team isn't enough being with each other you know with the guy next to you that's that's in the trenches on the football field uh <clears throat> and finding that common ground like utilize that right because like you said yeah we're never alone sometimes we think we are but we never are 
sometimes it's just good to check in with, with the guy across from you. That's why we do this podcast and check in with each other. <laughs> check in with you, Nate. See what you're up yes, to. Yes, sir. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, awesome stuff. Go watch Nate's movie, the one that he just produced, the horror one, and when the other one comes out and in post production, uh, I know it's the artist in all of us say, you know, your reaction is, "We'll see how it goes," uh, which is like, which is a great <laughs> reaction. This <laughs> is a great reaction, but I'm sure it's going to be uh, great. I don't man. know how it's going to go. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll be there, man, for it. Uh, Nate, always a pleasure, man. Callie looks good on you. Uh, you look younger than the last time we saw you, so keep keep hanging, <laughs> keep hanging in the sunshine, man. It's the Botox, man. It's the Botox. Yeah. <laughs> i appreciate you guys thanks for having me on again great hey. seeing you Quan. i'll i'll I'll, uh, I'll i'll hit you up when i'm back in town yeah reach out when you get to town sure. brother good okay. to see you man we'll All catch right. up see you guys tonight take care welcome always <laughs>